Clay, this episode is very important to me. It's the one that I've been mm. waiting for because it was written by none other than John Cochran, known to fans of the CBS Survivor game show series as simply Cochran, who uh, is one of two perfect game contestant winners on the series Survivor, which has been going for 57 seasons or whatever it is at this point. But I don't know if you're a Survivor fan, if you're a John Cochran fan, if you're a fan of Harvard Law students who win game shows, <laughs> any any of that uh, inspires you for this episode. I would hope so. Uh, I'm a fan of Tom Cochran, who once told us that life is a highway and that I want to ride it all night long. And I mean, who can argue with that, right? It's a life philosophy that I think distilled down to a song is <laughs> is pretty much perfect do you watch survivor i never have watched survivor uh i think when it first was on i don't know i it was fairly early in the reality tv boom and even then i was kind of tired of it mm-hmm. so i uh, it just never really i don't know uh, I, I the i think the the conceit even then for me kind of felt like wait so they're trapped on an island surrounded by camera crews i don't know it mm-hmm. just wasn't it was never my thing i think survivors um survivors probably the best concept of a kind of reality show or whatever i think survivors probably like a top five game show of all time that's um it's gotten a little bit to this point where the the meta is obvious and mm-hmm. people know how to play the game but there was a good long period where it was still not quite obvious how to play the game successfully and uh it was really interesting that but this guy is um an unlikely winner of it, the writer of this episode, but he's, he's kind of a famous contestant who won the uh, perfect game, which is you never get a vote against you at a tribal council and you win unanimously in the final jury, which is kind he of was an, paying him out, which is an amazing accomplishment in Survivor, I think, because all the whole game is about making people want to vote against you. Um, well, when when you figure out how to make the best seashell brownies. Mm-hmm. Then you know it gives you a lot of points with everybody else. <laughs> he applied my sunscreen so perfectly every single time. <laughs> uh, that's it. Let's talk about terminal provocations, which is the next episode of Lower Decks. I'll play a clip right now. We'll come back and break it down. Oh damn! This must be the beta shift's version of a badass. Mariner's a total badass, and if you don't come clean, she's gonna. Whoa! Fletcher, ease up, man. Guys, I'm not going to do that. I'm so sorry. Just give us the core. We'll go. And this can all be over. What core? Oh, please. Please. Look, someone knocked Fletcher out and stole an isolinear core. Are you accusing us of assault? Get out of here. We don't know anything about a core. That's it. You want some of this? Where's the core? Where's the core, man? Guys, Where's no, the core? no. Dude, don't undo your flaps. You want to dance? I'll take you to the dance. I'll pick you up at your mom and dad's house. You don't talk about my dad. Wait, hold on. So, so, Terminal Provocations is the sixth episode of the first season of Star Trek Lower Decks. It came out on September 10th, 2020. Written by John Cochran, directed by Bob Suarez. In-universe date is 57663.92380. In this episode, the lovable but awkward Ensign Fletcher makes work difficult for Mariner and Boimler. Rutherford introduces <clears throat> Tendi to a holodeck training program he created. Clearly, the, the obvious joke here that I make is that the writers have listened to us, Clay, because they did... Hmm. Everything in this episode that, I, or at least I've been saying that they should do to this point, and um, what it ended up with is some sort of weird analogous situation to like you're pining for some sort of sexual fantasy, and then <laughs> it finally comes to fruition, and you feel bad for the person you've done it to. Um, Terminal Provocations does everything I wanted it to, and I don't know if I'm, I was right to want those things out of it. Um, mm. Not that I think it's a bad episode, but. 
I would I would say it's it's darker comedy, which is what I was pushing for, and it felt more uh, critical of Star Trek in a lot of mm-hmm. ways. Not, maybe not critical, but like um, cynical is maybe a better description. Mm-hmm. And I thought I wanted those things, and I've been thinking about this episode, and I don't know maybe if it's just an example of the episode not doing the best job that it could with material that I would like or what it was. But what did you think of Terminal Provocations? Um, this was my least favorite episode for the first half of it, because I feel like this had the weakest plot. Um, I think the, the overall structure and writing of this one is, is, is probably the weakest for me. Um, and I wasn't really sure where it was going, uh, until about the halfway mark when everything started to snowball and get weird, Mm -hmm. which then after that point, I really enjoyed it. Um, it takes a long time for the Ensign Fletcher thing to tie into the mm. training program uh, situation where his plugging himself into that AI, much like Barkley does in the nth degree in TNG. Um, it takes a little while for that to start happening and to, for everything to tie it together. But I, I also like the second half of the episode. I, I like the... I like to play on Clippy from Microsoft Word, whose name is right. Badgie, yeah. and he's yeah. like I I I really really wanted dark comedy like that where he's stabbing people <laughs> with with like a shard of glass or something, and it's really strange and really unstar trekky. But at the same time, it felt like it was the kick in the pants that I kind of needed it to. But I, I agree that the script getting up to that point wasn't really the show operating at its finest. Yeah, it's just that it wasn't uh, the the layout of what was going on wasn't quite as interesting because you know in the previous episodes the Star Trekky plot is usually pretty upfront um, as a setup for what's going on, and this one it was you know it was just like arguing over salvage, which wasn't super interesting. Well, this is the um, the other <clears> thing <throat> that I wanted to say uh, to go back to your point about that. The other thing that they did here that I was asking for is there's a clear separation between senior staff and lower decks officers here in sure. this plot. Like they're they're very divided from each other. Where the the action of the senior bridge crew is driving what's going on in the lower decks, but the lower decks mm-hmm. adventure is disconnected from what's actually happening up above them. And I thought that was kind of I thought that's what I wanted, and I thought that that's a better way for the show to actually go. And I think that this episode does a decent job of doing that. I th- I think anyway. Yeah, I thought that stuff was fine. I just, uh, I, I think it was the, the, the if you can call it, uh, anything in a 22-minute cartoon a slow burn, it was the slowest burn of the episodes because you, when they established Fletcher, he's kind of a what the hell is this guy thing, and the Tendy and Rutherford plot seems like it's just going to be about Tendy getting over her fear of spacewalking yeah and uh the the senior staff stuff seems like it's just going to be this you know silly argument over salvaging a ship or whatever um but then once it kicks into gear and gets really weird i i did i i thought i really enjoyed badgie i loved the uh uh plugging his brain into the warp core thing yeah (laughs) um I, I really enjoyed that. I, I actually really liked Fletcher as a character. I thought he was going to be, I mean, maybe he will be. but He'd be a great main were, character on the show. I he think. would be. He's, yeah. yeah. He, uh, he, I thought he was gonna, there was going to be some more um, uh, uh, malevolence to his character because I, we had never seen him before and they just kind of dropped him in as someone's like, oh, yeah, that's Fletcher. I thought it was there was going to be some sort of switch where it's like he was actually a, a mind-wiping alien or something. Sure. Um, 
But uh, I, I really liked him. I thought he was the a, a great kind of ridiculous. Like when he when he tries to start the fight, and and he just like starts pulling his shirt off and like oh, you want to go? Yeah. I, th- I, I thought that was I, I really enjoyed that. Yeah, he's a, he's um, a little bit of um he's a little bit heightened, and he uh I guess I would describe him. He's kind of like a a lower decks version of Barkley in some ways, which is funny because he copies a Barkley plot uh, in the end sure. where he supercharges his brain. Um, but yeah, he's. He's heightened, but he also feels like he belongs in the universe too. And mm. I, I like the fact that he's kind of the true underachiever of the group. Like he doesn't really care, or he's not very good at his job of being a, a Starfleet officer. I um, his inclusion was funny because I would like him as a main character because I feel that he brings a tone to the show that the other characters none of them really have, which is a mm. lower decks because he's incompetent is something that they don't have and i think that that would be a nice uh personality to have as a main character mm. yeah the one uh <clears throat> the one bit that i i wish they hadn't done uh because i think what you're talking about is is a critique you could make of star trek is that uh he complains at the end about getting fired mm-hmm. and i don't really know if you could really get fired from starfleet so much didn't uh, uh what's her name and picard say she got fired too Oh right, yeah. Well, <laughs> I, my the point is, the, my point is like Starfleet seems like such an all-encompassing thing that it never feels like you would get fired. It's like you're in a giant union, so you're never going to get fired. Yeah, you're They'll just going to get job sent that to you. Can't fuck up, right? Yeah, like in the like in uh, Star Trek 2009, they send Scotty off to this you know remote Siberian planet wastelands. They don't fire him, right? Um, which I think would be an interesting addition. Uh, that way but um and it also just sounds weird to hear someone in the star trek show say i got fired yeah yeah because they don't really have jobs so much he can Um, come back this this character sure potentially return i think yeah i kind of hope i i kind of hope they do bring him back he uh i don't think he was a must-have for me but uh I, i if they can find something else to do with him i think he would be fun to bring back his um I think what maybe one weakness, I don't know if it's a weakness, but both plots kind of revolve around characters who are not main cast characters where Badgie is kind of the driving influence of one story and then Fletcher is the driving mm-hmm. influence of the other story. I thought it worked okay. I um, I think maybe that's the reason why I wanted Fletcher to be a main cast member because because the other the main cast members are secondary in this one, they do feel similar to each other. Um, mm-hmm. They, again, don't switch the pairings up. It's Rutherford and Tendi yet again, and then Boimler and Mariner stuck together. A much more uh, dialed-back Mariner in yeah. this episode, too, yeah. which was... It, it's uh, She was toned way down, and also I couldn't tell if it was supposed to be a joke or what that she keeps saying you know well that's not starfleet starfleet doesn't do things that way like it i it see it, it seemed like something that we've made fun of on like discovery when they do that yeah yeah um so i couldn't tell if she was if they were being honest or earnest with her or if they were making like a, a tongue-in-cheek kind of joke or something she does seem toned <clears throat> down i guess it's to play against fletcher um, yeah, because I, yeah. I would kind He's, of want Fletcher's characteristics to be part of Mariner here. I, the other thing is because it's a 22 minute episode, I don't really get the I don't think they really nail the point as to why they don't want Fletcher with them anymore. I guess it's because he's incompetent and they don't really care for him. But he's I didn't think the episode played him as unlikable enough where they would be happy to get rid of him at the very end. Mm, you know, he's, he's, yeah. he seemed nice enough to them. Uh, he wasn't like a dick or anything. And it, it was just 
I guess it's a reason you have to get rid of a character. Or the, the payoff to that joke is that he gets transferred. Yeah, I think it was just an incompetence thing uh, more than anything else. Yeah. He, he, he uh, well, I don't know. <laughs> after after you pull something like that, I can see maybe not wanting to work with the guy anymore. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it strikes me as funny that the other characters, um, the other characters are competent to that degree. I mean, they, mm-hmm. they Rutherford fucks up by making Badgie strange or whatever. His, his programming isn't quite as good, but even then, that's influenced by the the brain meld that that uh, Fletcher does with the computer. Um, the other. Uh, the other, the, the, the other thing that they're doing here is they're both probably more in the badgy sense. The the badgy one is more of uh, what you were saying, which is to take a TNG concept episode or a TNG tropey kind of thing and then mm. play on it. And the, here it's the holodeck goes bad, uh, taken to right. its most literal extreme. Um, and I, I did, I did appreciate. I mean, it's an easy joke, but I did appreciate when. Uh, He's like, yeah, it's fine. It's totally harmless. It's not like it's Moriarty or uh, Einstein. It's yeah. just like going down the list of holodeck programs that have freaked out. Because when I was watching it, my girlfriend turned to me and was like, did all that happen in the other shows? And I was like, yes, all yep. of that did happen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's do, – do you think that they – do you think that they mastered that kind of referential plot device here? Like are they – can the can the show succeed if it plays its uh, plots like this, where it, it takes an idea like that and it just kind of um, does the lower decks flip thing to it? I found it, I found it semi satisfying. I don't know what mm-hmm. was really missing. Um, I don't know if they need like more uh, explanation, not explanation, but if they need to like tie it closer to the original lore or something, or if that's even necessary, or if maybe it was just wasn't that funny of a plot line. Like I, I thought it was good, but I didn't think it was like uh, aces uh, type storyline. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I, I think, I think the I found the Fletcher storyline more successful ultimately. I think than the Badgy one, even though the Badgy one might have been a little funnier. Yeah. Uh, um, uh, overall, well, I guess it depends. Um, because the the badgy one never felt like it. <clears throat> excuse me, it never felt like it really shifted into the next gear. Because uh, once he goes bad, then he goes bad, and then they it ends up just being like this little cat and mouse kind of thing that they don't really lean into that much. Um, where they, you know, if they badgy's murdering people inside the holodeck, and they they don't even really bring attention to that. Where right. I feel like there's a couple things, you know, jokes you could make about that. Um, whereas the Fletcher one just gets crazier and crazier as it goes. Like first, first he turns out he was lying about the thing. Then it turns out he plugged this thing into his brain so he could try to get smarter. <laughs> then it turns out this thing turns into a a a, 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 a sentient being that is starting to you know, grab everything and trying to assimilate everything. And then it turns into them accidentally shooting it at the other ship and blowing the other ship up. Yep. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, so it's like that one, that one continues to escalate. Uh, so I found that story more satisfying, I think, whereas Badgie was kind of like, I think there were more jokes you could make, but it ended up being sort of like a one joke story. Yeah. 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 And- Especially when they started going to different, like, uh, places in the holodeck i thought they were going to do more of that i thought it was going to be like you know they jump to the bajoran marketplace and then they'd you know jump to you know chronos or something you know i yeah. thought they were going to do a little bit more of that yeah no it's um it's pretty simplistic it, it just relies on the 
the comedy of like that, the badgy thing, murdering people, the, the hyper violence, and then the sort of turn of the Skywalker esque thing at the end, right? So he calls him dad what, or whatever when he plug, unplugs yeah. him. Yeah. When he, when he broke badgy's neck, I was legitimately <laughs> horrified. <laughs> yeah. I, and I, I think some people are probably going to say it's, it's almost too dark. And I was, I was wondering if it was like, if I, if I, what's the, the parable where you get what you want and it's not what actually what you realize that it's not actually what you want. I, I, I think, don't know. I think you're looking for, be careful what you wish for. Yes. Isn't there a King? Is that Midas's thing? I guess Midas. Kind of uh, you that. might be thinking, are you thinking of the monkey paw situation? I guess monkey paw. Yeah. I was thinking yeah. of like an Aesop character, but it, it must be the monkey paw. Uh, and it might just be a thing of the script. I, I just, I, I like the edge of it because to me, I don't know how funny it is to just straight parody. Thing. Like if if you had that holodeck sure. story and Badgie wasn't killing people, I don't know if it really is all that effective. You know, like he, the the, right. the over the topness has to happen. He has to go completely bonkers for it to be mm-hmm. kind of funny. If he just goes bad, it's a cute reference, but it doesn't really make me laugh. Yeah, and he didn't he didn't go crazy in a way that was like based on what he was programmed to do right the story's link there effective like the stories take a long time to get going but i like the connection of the guy hooks up to his brain to the thing which causes causes badgy to go lose his mind as well because the ship is going haywire right yeah um but like yeah he doesn't badgy doesn't go crazy and start like he doesn't escalate through running his routine incorrectly uh, and then eventually becoming more uh, actively malicious and killing people. He just kind of like goes zero to 60, yep. high on violence pretty quick. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> which is, you know, again, 22 minutes. You got to do what you got to do. You know, wh- one thing I don't, one thing I think this show does not do very well funny. I don't know if we've talked about this to this point. Uh, there's a comedy that can be found from bleeping expletives. Mm-hmm. And I don't think this show does it well. I think Arrested Development is like the pinnacle. I was going to say, Arrested the, Development is the master at that. When they, why, when they well, put why that show out on funny? DVD. Why is theirs funny, I guess? would be You can go with your point, but like, I, I couldn't really understand why what the difference is or why Arrested Development is so much like more uh, hysterical than when Lower Decks does it. I don't know if mm. you have any thoughts. Well, I was just going to say, on D, when, when Arrested Development... <clears throat> God, my voice today. Uh, went to DVD, they unbleeped a lot of that stuff huge mistake yeah because it's way way funnier when it's bleeped and i don't know if it's because of how casually the swearing is put in or if it's because it's a network show and you're not expecting people to swear so when they do and they bleep it it's funny i don't know um i think it's because if i had to take a stab at it i think it's because they never draw attention to the fact that they're swearing yeah whereas in shows like this they tend to draw a lot of attention to it. Like that becomes the joke that they're, that they're swearing and they're bleeping it out. Yes. Um, and in that case, I don't think it works. Like I, uh, I noticed the last season or so of Rick and Morty, they've been doing it a lot more and I don't think it's as funny as it is in the, in the earlier seasons where they do it, uh, less. Yeah. Um, cause you know, when, when you bring attention to that stuff, I don't, I mean, I, maybe I sound like an old man at this point, but even more so than I have previously. Um, I think when you when you really bring attention to that stuff and overdo it, it just feels like you're trying too hard. Yeah. Um, like I, I've been watching the uh, HBO Harley Quinn cartoon. Uh, they dial it down in the subsequent episodes, but I the pilot for that show is like, 
I thought it was almost unwatchable because Just it was for how dirty, like for how expletive yeah. laden it is. Yeah, yeah, it's full of swears that aren't bleeped out, so it's you know everybody's calling each other cocksuckers and <laughs> go fuck yourself, and <laughs> and it's like super, super, super violent. Yeah, so like. The Joker's throwing acid on people and they're just like graphically melting into pieces and stuff. And I just, I don't know. I thought it was like, it was, it's, it, it seemed like they were reveling too much in having an R rating. Yeah. Um, which doesn't uh, appeal to me and I don't find it that funny. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think in this, in this one, it, uh, what was the, is it, I can't, was it a F- Fletcher does it, right? Fletcher. They bleep Fletcher or do they bleep out Ransom? I can't no, they, which one. they. I think they bleep. They bleeped the captain. They bleep Freeman. Uh, the only one that I thought that worked was the alien captain says "fuck you" at, at one oh, point. Oh yes, they that was good. That, but, that was good. I like that. It, one. it made me wonder. Like, what I think the difference is is a lot of lower decks's bleeps that don't work feel like they are just natural sentences that they added a swear to for some right. reason, right. and they're bleeping it and. What makes Arrested Development work in some ways, I just think of the uh, this is the joke where Stan Sitwell offers Job a job, and he's like, Job, we need you to come work for us at Sitwell Enterprises or whatever. And Joe just walks up to him and gets to like right in his face and goes, fuck you. And then it yeah. smash cuts to him and go, and then I accept it. And so there's, yeah. this, there's this comedy around the... It's funny that he responded so aggressively to Stan Sitwell, mm-hmm. and then the joke is that he's just like, "Oh," and then I accept it after I told, after yeah. I said that to him. And Lower Dex doesn't do that. But the, the reason I thought that the captain worked is because Freeman, leading up to that point, is like, "We're doing we're doing diplomacy. We're doing the Star Trek way. We're doing everything." It's like we need to work together a peaceful resolution. And then the alien captain just goes, "Fuck you," and then yeah. throws the thing at them. <laughs> yes. and that's funny yeah. to me. Yeah, my my favorite from Arrested Development was uh, is always. Uh, they can't arrest a husband and wife for the same crime. <laughs> and he goes, Dad, I'm pretty sure that's not true. And he just goes, I have the worst fucking <laughs> Arrested, because it was live action, they had to always uh, frame it so that the actors were covering yeah. their mouths so that you couldn't yeah, read their yeah. lips as they were talking. Yeah. yeah. Um, but that that's the... That's something that they do consistently, the exploitive stuff, and they don't really... That one joke with the alien captain was the only time I thought it was like, okay, that, that was worth having someone bleep that swear out or something like that. Yeah, because it's like it, it works It works more if the... Th- there's, <clears throat> there's two ways that I think it works. Uh, if the thing that they're saying is just part of conversation and isn't like super over the top, or it's not really over the top, so they they you know it's just a regular part of conversation. Or if they if it is so so over the top that the amount of bleeps being used right. becomes comical. Yeah. Uh, but if it's just like oh that person said something ridiculous and and dirty, like you know uh, get our cocks blown off, what, yeah. like that. Or we need to get the really f out of here. And there's no it's like there's, you're not highlighting anything by adding a swear right. into let's just right. get out of here. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um. Use clean language, kids. That's right. This is not. This is a George Carlin show. It's dirty. Outside of that, Jerry I Seinfeld never had to swear on stage. <laughs> get some material about hot pockets and get back out there. Um, yeah, I. I thought this episode was okay. I. Um, I don't really have much else to say about it. Really, I. Mm-hmm. I, I kind of liked the, the the concepts and everything were what I wanted. I don't know if it really executed them on them as strongly as I would have expected. But at the same time, 
it felt uh, felt serviceable. I I don't know if I'm concerned. I do I do think that the main cast needs some kind of injection into it, if, if not another character, just kind of a little bit of differentiation between Boimler mm-hmm. and Mariner in this episode are of the same mind, which is to service the Fletcher character, but also it's like they don't really have any conflict here. And I, well, you were saying Mariner felt a little bit off because she is so non-confrontational with yeah. what's going it, on in front of her. It almost seems to me that like if you flipped who was involved in what plot, it actually makes a little bit more sense because if if the if the Fletcher plot was a uh, Tendy and Rutherford plot, I think it probably makes more sense that the the characters are a little bit more laid back and uh, um, rolling with it. Uh, yeah, um, reactionary. Mm-hmm. And if you put Boimler and Mariner in the situation in the in the holodeck where they're faced with a uh, murderous holodeck program that feels more in line with something Mariner would have her, you know, be all over. Yeah, yeah that's a good point. <clears throat> um, not that I don't think it doesn't work the way that they did it, but it just if I was thinking about it, I was like, oh, it kind of seems like they would be more at home in each other's plots. Well, that sounded weird. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> uh, fill those fill those plot holes. The I I agree, and, and I, I think that that's just kind of strengthened by they haven't mixed up the characters at all. Um, not sure why uh, mm-hmm. I would do it at this point, and I think I do like that idea of Rutherford and Tendy would be more amicable to what uh, what Fletcher is doing. Like the the plot here almost makes you feel like Fletcher is a slightly higher rank officer than them, so they can't push back mm-hmm. against him too much. But he's not; he's just he's just one of them. Um, Especially given what the plot is, which is uh, Mariner and Boimler leave their a job in order to go do something you know have a go to a concert or whatever i think uh tendy and rutherford would feel a lot more stress and guilt doing that so if if they were the ones who did it and they were like oh god i can't believe we're doing this and then they come back and it turned out everything got fucked up i think that would be more impactful to them as characters than it is on boimler and, and and mariner the uh the choo-choo joke didn't work for me at all, unless that's some reference that I'm not getting. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, yeah, you you add another chew and it becomes a choo-choo-choo dance. What, what the hell is what the hell is? Yeah, going on? I just assumed it was supposed to be a an alien thing that that we wouldn't understand because we're not space people. Yeah, I it. I think the, the character-wise, the reason why that joke didn't work is because Mariner and Boimler seem so interested in it to a degree that I can see. Well, I don't really see Boimler being interested in it. And it seems like the kind of thing, I don't know. Would, would Mariner, I see Mariner being somewhat cynical towards that in my understanding of how her character works, but maybe she would be into it. I don't know. It just wasn't a funny joke. And it, it, it seemed like it exists only just to give them a reason to leave Fletcher by himself, which is yeah. one thing or another. But. Just go into a concert. Yeah. And then the thing that they, they, the concert is something ridiculous and that we never see, which it's, it's fine. The, uh, um, the, the other tangent of that is, the division of the senior crew in the lower decks. I like the mm-hmm. cut between the senior crew is working on this problem and it cuts to Fletcher doing like a cantaloupe puree stand or something out of the yes, replicator. Yes. He's drinking that juice. <laughs> I, I, yes. I like that dichotomy. I like the, they, they've gone too far with the senior staff, but I like the senior staff to be more, I would recalibrate that to have the senior staff be more stuffy and more Star Trek mm. and have the lower decks crew just be 
basically a college frat house on some level, or like right, you know, it's like a dorm right. party or something. Like I think that that works better for the show. Yeah, yeah, I think so too. Um, and I, what, how did you feel about the the senior staff plot overall? I thought it was fine, but with my conception of what they should be doing, which is they're engaging in a Star Trek plot, which is slightly comical because the ships are fighting with tractor beams against each other. Mm-hmm. But it, it it worked for me as a something is going on up there and the real action is down below. Uh, and in that case, I thought it was perfectly serviceable is what it was supposed to be. The senior staff in that case doesn't get the jokes, really. There's nothing funny right. about that, but they do they do a fine job with it, I thought. Did you like it or did you uh, dislike it? I thought it was okay. I thought it was, um, like I said, I, I think it was probably the least interesting. Uh, but I think part of that for me was that the setup is pretty uninteresting. It's pretty mundane, but they don't really lean into that at, at much at all. Like they play it f- aside from the uh, the security guy wanted to blow the ship up. They they play it fairly straight. Yep. Because um, you know, there's I I I found it funny that that they were just that, that they're throwing pieces of broken starships at them <laughs> and they can't fire back because they don't want to start yep. a war or whatever. Yeah. I yeah. enjoyed that, but I I felt like there was more they could have tapped into as far as how mundane a mission this actually was. Right. If they weren't, yeah, they they have the need to put a joke in there. But if it was just the diplomacy of talking to these space pirate people, you know. Um, I guess mm-hmm. they, they do need jokes in there. It's, it's, it's a hard balancing act between whether or not the jokes are distracting or if they're a, an effective setup for the Lower Decks characters down below. I thought this was fine, mm-hmm. at least. Uh, I'd be interested in seeing more setups like that uh, yeah. Yeah. going forward. All right, I guess we're done with this one. Let's. Um, uh, I, guess. I was going to say, the one thing that I didn't really care for was the... Uh, I didn't like the engine room sound joke at the beginning. Oh, yeah? I didn't think that... Yeah, I didn't think it really paid off to anything that interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, Maybe this yeah, betrays just, my my fandom. I didn't recognize any of the. I know I know they can't make the engine noise, but I mm-hmm. I felt like the the noises they were making were not close enough to me to be accurate. Like no one made the TOS like pingy sound. You know, like I. Right. Maybe right. I would have liked the joke more if it actually sounded like the different engines of or the engine rooms of the ships. And maybe they do, and I'm just not realizing it. But I, no one made that weird like ping ping thing of the TOS engines yeah. and so or the TOS bridge noise and stuff like that. Yeah, I, yeah. I just didn't think. Yeah, it didn't. It. Uh, I like. I liked when when Ransom looked around the corner and he thought they were starting a cult. That's I thought the exact that was same. Funny. This is the exact same joke as uh, last episode, wasn't it? Where he went down and no. they were all doing something. No. Because I would, this is interesting. Because I've had the same thing happen. What you're remembering is the preview for the next episode. Oh, am I? Yes. Really? Because we've we yes, but we've done that before. Uh, there has been stuff that shows up in the preview that I have remembered as I'm watching the show. I was like, didn't I already see this joke? It's like, yeah. no, that was the preview from last week of this episode. Oh. Okay. Unless I'm completely unless I'm completely forgetting something that happens in the last episode, but. I, I'm pretty sure what you're thinking of is the preview of this episode that you saw last week. Maybe, yeah. I, I watched it and I was like, did they just exactly copy the same animation that they did there to just have, to have Ransom come down again? Uh, or are they trying to set up a runner or something where Ransom comes down and sees them doing something strange and it's like, what the hell is going on down here? Interesting. Um, that's it, I guess, for Terminal Provocations. I uh, The way I would have, have done that joke, I guess, is if you're doing the everybody's making the 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 engine room sounds 
have one person do it and just play the actual audio of the sound. Yeah. And then everybody goes, oh, yeah, that's it. That that's right. It. <laughs> yeah. Or do it the other way where you do that and everybody kind of pauses and goes, that's way off or something. Right, you know, like right, yeah, the yeah. joke, The joke being somebody actually gets it and then you either react accordingly or negatively to it. Terminal Provocations is done. The next one is called Much Ado About Boimler. I know that much at this point. Um, I don't really have any new thoughts about this. This this episode seemed like it, it fit in line with the other ones. Um, Lower Decks is still acceptable, like a B, B to me, like a B yeah. of a show. Um, yeah. It's working on its comedy, I think, or trying to stretch it out or stretch into new ways of doing the comedic stuff. I, I like the setup for this one, and I like the... Uh, the construct of it. I don't know if the execution was really my favorite out of everything so far, but yeah, they're working things out. See what, see what happens as it keeps going. There's only a How couple many more episodes, up, uh, seven, eight, nine, ten, four, four left. 10. Okay. Yep. And then right into the three thousands for discovery. Yep. Right. Uh, should we, uh, I can clip this here. Actually, the, the, the discovery trailer. Do you have any thoughts about the season three oh. discovery trailer? It came out, um, <clears throat> I watched it once. I don't know if I'm prepared to give comments about this at this point, but if you are, maybe I can feed off of it. Well, I've poured over every <clears throat> every second of that trailer. Frame by I frame. Thoughts. Yeah. Yes. Uh, first of all, her hair. No. Um, I I thought it looked. I I I continue to be cautiously optimistic about this because I I hope that I I hope that the the setting of the far future is enough of a change that it allows them to tell their own kind of stories without being beholden to canon and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Because uh, it's such a strange show that they are at the same time hamstrung by canon, but also don't care enough to be hamstrung by canon. Yeah. It's really yeah. strange. You mean before, so, they made, uh, before they made the time jump? That's the problem. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like they they positioned themselves in a no win situation as far as canon goes, but at the same time they don't really care that much. Yeah. Um. So it'll be interesting to see how their storytelling changes if it changes. Uh, I don't love the thing where they're like, it has a name. It's called the Burn because yeah. it just seems like another mysterious bullshit thing that they got to investigate. That's gonna have, you know, a late a late season twist that you're either gonna see coming a mile away or is gonna be dumb or is gonna be both. Yep. Um, or is that the user in the Discord posted that thing where it's just like they're not talking about Burnham's effect, right? That in the future it's become abbreviated to this. It's kind of it's kind of like um, the guy who God. Hodor. It's like Hodor from Game right. of Thrones. Like it's just right. lost the meaning over the game of telephone. Um, I God, I hope not. <laughs> That's if they did that. If they did that, it's it's totally totally like understanding how ridiculous it is that they do that all the time. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. But yeah, I'm I'm hoping uh I'm curious to see how they handle things. I my biggest worry is that um you know, I would say 75% of the reason the stuff I like about Star Trek is the iconography and imagery of Star Trek. Yeah, they have a line and in this one. They're like Starfleet isn't about the ships. It's about us spending time together, motherfuckers. <laughs> yeah, it's also in that case not about me watching the show. Right. Uh, cuz like I get I get worried that it's going to be like, well, we're in the future. Starfleet doesn't exist anymore, so you're not going to see uniforms, you're not going to see ships, you're not going to see whatever. Yeah. But it it seems to be that there's some sort of that at least immediately they don't jettison all that stuff. So I'm hoping 
I'm hoping that it can stay Star Trek without completely losing. I, I, I hope I hope that if they do lose that stuff, it can stay Star Trek instead of just turning into, you know, season four of Lost in Space yep. or you know, it's indistinguishable from The Expanse or something. It's got to be about bringing... not to say anything bad about The Expanse. I know it's very good. I haven't watched it, but I'm just using it as an example. It's got to be about bringing Starfleet back, right? That that's that seems like it is the setup where this this is a show built around Burnham giving those kinds of um, uh, sort of like, you know, uh, speeches. Like the, the, the way mm-hmm. that she ended season one would be kind of the same thing. It's like, we are Starfleet, all that stuff. Uh, I feel th- I feel this is going to be the same as that one. It seems it seems like the structure, at least at this point, is that the discovery crashes right when they go through the time thing, which I'm kind of interested in. Uh, obviously, not enough where they can't fix it, but it's stuck on the planet surface mm-hmm. for the time being, and they have to get around that. They meet some new people, and you know, society's gone to hell. I just don't. My fear here is that if it's a show built around Discovery exploring what it means to bring Starfleet values back, Discovery's never shown that it really cares about that kind of storytelling. So it's like, it'll just be a lot of action kung fu sequences. And then in the last episode, Bernard will be like, and we've learned why Federation matters at this point. You go, okay, fine. That's sure. Whatever. I hope they start. I hope they start the season with uh, Burnham talking to the guy from the future. And she's like, quick question. Did that bomb inside of Kronos ever go off? <laughs> the burn bomb? Yeah, the the, the burn bomb. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, like there's there's an element there's an element to this that it, I know it's the same people running everything and whatnot, as far as I know. Yeah. Um, but it almost feels like you know when you hear stories about when they tried to do Superman in the late nineties or the early two thousands. And whoever the producer was, was like, I got two things. I don't want him in the suit and I don't want him to fly. It's yeah. Like, okay. Then what are we, the fuck are we doing here? You know? <laughs> yeah. Why are you making a Superman movie? If he doesn't wear the ass and he doesn't fly, what else? What's the point? Um, just, just so I'm hoping it doesn't get into that territory where it's like, I don't want him in the ship and I don't want him in those stupid costumes. It's yeah. Like, oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, that's my my major concern is that if if it's about that kind of thematic thing about what it means to be without hope and then to bring back uh, bring hope back into it, um, it's again it veers closely, super closely to modern politics at a time where I don't think anyone is receptive to that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Like if it if it relates to if it's too closely related to what the current current cultural zeitgeist is like i think people are like this is annoying Uh, or or you don't have enough Mm. time to like reflect on it really it's like it'll be so of an era that when you go back to in 10 years you're like ah that that doesn't age very well yeah uh this is a little bit off topic but uh amanda and i just recorded uh wreck the spanish zombie movie and uh we both didn't really respond that well to it. We had a hard time getting into it. I loved it. And I, I haven't watched it recently. I loved Rack. I thought it was really good. Yeah, I had not seen it before. Um, I mean, it's a good movie. It's like I can I can watch it go like, okay, I can understand why people like that. But I just had a really hard time getting into it. Mm-hmm. And one of the reasons that I was thinking that maybe it might be hard to get into a movie like that at this point is because currently we are currently living through a hastily handled outbreak. Yeah. And so I'm watching this movie, and I I found myself siding with like the shadowy hazmat guys that are trying to shut the building down and like give people shots and stuff. And I'm like, yeah, listen to these guys. I know what's going to happen. 
everybody's acting like assholes. I've been watching that every day on TV. I don't need to watch this here. Just somebody trust the hazmat guys who are trying to contain this shit and stop it from spreading. Uh, why is no one mentioning the CDC guidelines currently? What's what's happening here? Like we're missing we're missing some plot development. I um not too much. I still when I have to come upstairs and the light switch is at the top of the stairs or whatever. And so I'm going upstairs into a dark area. I still picture the monster from wreck, like coming oh, yeah. out, of the, out of running down the hallway at me or something. It's yeah. very scary. Yeah. Well, not to, not to go too much into spoiling our coverage, but that was the element that both of us actually started to respond to. Yeah. Like the, the rest of the zombie stuff, we were like, yeah, it's fine. It's a zombie thing. And then once they got into that weird attic, we were like, oh, okay. It's a, it's a scary, fi- it's a very scary final scene. It's mostly what I remember yeah. the movie yeah. for uh, outside of that. But yeah, it's a scare. It's a good, good scare. Um, Discovery show. Final point. Uh, I've mentioned this on Discord and Twitter all the time. I don't think I've talked about it on the podcast. I don't understand why the font mashups are so terrible for this franchise at this point. They mm. keep... They keep the Star Trek graphic the same. It's always the same font. And then they change the lettering behind the, sh- the, the show name. And Discovery's got a new font. Nickelodeon's is the worst defender because it has the Nickelodeon is, brand. Yeah. Then it has the Star Trek. And then it has like a kitty version of Prodigy, I think it's called. Mm-hmm. It mm-hmm. looks terrible. It's like, yeah. who the fuck are these graphic designers that are designing this? And why does no one push back and be like, we, we have to make the fonts look like each other or at least like complement uh, to each other? Yeah, I, uh, I I haven't really noticed it too much on the live action shows, uh, but that one, the Nickelodeon one in particular, is is egregious. That's that's objectively awful. Yeah, it's just, it's it's unprofessional. It, you if you turn mm-hmm. that in, you'd be like, this this is awful. Like I'm paying you to do this. Uh, but yeah, Discovery has changed its fonts, and it's just kind of a, a strange thing that they do. I don't I don't know why they do it. I would. It's not like I can't read Star Trek and I need it in that font right. to like just change right. it to make everything look consistent. But I, you know, it's funny because I, uh, I very clearly, and maybe it's just a matter of immersion at this point, but like I, in my head, I know exactly what TOS font looks like. I know exactly what TNG font looks like. DS9 exactly is iconic what Deep to me. Space Nine. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Enterprise, less so. Voyager, less so. But like, those are all fairly iconic fonts at this point. Discovery, gun to my head, I couldn't yeah. tell you which one they were using. Yeah, you know, I think the the Enterprise one, I think, is actually a semi default font on computers at this point. So you can oh, like really? use yeah. the Enterprise one. So, but the other ones are more uh, designed than that. I think yeah. that's why it sticks yeah. out. Uh, that's it, I guess. Anything else about Discovery's trailer? No, I don't think so. Um, on a scale of one to ten. How excited would you be after seeing that trailer? Did the trailer amplify your excitement or decrease it, or did you not change whatsoever for Discovery? Um, I'd say I'm about the same. Like, there was nothing in it that really piqued my interest more than it already is piqued. Uh, and aside from, and the thing where they start talking about the burn, you know, had me giving me my own <laughs> little version burn of. Burn yeah. of <laughs> discovery acid reflux where i'm like all right they're just going on to their same old shit again so yeah. I, I i'm i'm hoping for the best but preparing for what i consider to be not the best uh i, I had a mix i was mm-hmm. annoyed that you see so much of burnham in the red angel suit i had forgotten that she's in the suit to start right that off. yeah i hope that suit doesn't play I, into the story i somehow. hope that thing I, is i hope she plummets yeah. to earth and it's destroyed and she survives because of the the uh, shock absorption of it or whatever yeah, I hope it's like Back to the Future 3 where she lands like 
on a train track and then she has to get out of the suit really quick right. and then she it's, turns it's around right as a train, train destroys the suit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I didn't like that because it mostly because it reminded me of season two and the worst parts of season two. Mm. I liked seeing the ship wrecked for some reason. I can't even really explain why I like that, but I like the concept of Discovery being wrecked somewhere. Um, didn't like the burn and didn't mind the Burnham talking to that other guy that seems to be something that's going to happen. Uh, there's nothing really that, – that just felt like an interesting uh, – I, I was interested because I was like, well, why do they relate to each other at this point? Like, does she meet him immediately going from 900 years in the past? And he goes, that's terrific. Let's have a relationship. Um, yeah. So we'll see. Well, if it's anything like her relationship with Ash Tyler, yes, because yes, it's exactly. not built on anything other than plot contrivances. So we're just going to have flashbacks to 930 years ago of Ash Tyler being jealous that he, he somehow knows about her in the future with her new relationship or new beau. Yeah, that's it. So Discovery Season 3 is coming up. That's it for Lower Decks. Thank you very much for listening, guys. I have... Wait. Is that guy... That's not the guy from the short track, is it? No, it's a different... I I, I made that mistake. It's not that character. Okay. It's a different character. Because I was going to say, if it was the guy from the short track, 150%, it would be he saw her picture in the log on Discovery while right. he was li- living on Discovery and fell in love with her or yep. some shit like that. They'll flashback to a, a, shit. a they'll flashback to a, a clip that they never shot at the time of him looking at the, the picture or something. In yeah, that time it's, I, watching the same 30-second video of Michael Burnham on repeat yep. 100 times while he was alone on Discovery. Thank you very much for listening. Patreon.com slash The Penske File is the best place to support the show. If you want to support the show, that is, you get extra stuff, extra podcasts, and a special thank you goes to our patrons, the Captain Tier patrons, Christian Pouch, Tarek Latif, Chris Tinsley, Mike Burnett, Sean, Cardinal Doomsday, Joint Mango, Matt Cutler, Ben Douglas, Neil Brandon, Kyle Barrett, Samuel Custer, Nick Sergey, Bradley Killens, Matt Ross, Rune Vendler, Nathan Elliott, Eric Johnson, Andrew Chola, Grim Santo, Pointe G, Dwayne Hackett, Jordan Cooper, Derek Zajac, Russell Elledge, Kevin Reyes, Vault 13 Hero, Stephen Minton, Darth Mosk, HH28, Mad Curry 6, Jacob123, Mike Harris, Jakey's Gamer, Patrick Seba, Captain Rizzo, and Kevin Lowry, Eric Sanchez, Corey Martin, William Scheisler, <gasps> Timothy Cooley. Thank you very much. We're 930 years in the future after reading all these generous patron names. <laughs> Do you have anything you want to say, Clay? Wreck is coming out, but probably not for six months. Um, no. Uh, re- so we actually we actually play a little fast and loose with our with our um, Rotten Horror Picture Show uh, scheduling because as it stands right now, Wreck was going to come out the week of Halloween, and we didn't totally feel like Halloween... It's not Halloween, Halloween doesn't enough. scream wreck yeah. to me. Yeah. So uh, that Halloween, that's going to be delayed for until the following week. And Halloween week, we're going to do Fright Night. Okay. So, uh, but we, but before that, next week, we've got um, <sighs> Candyman, I think. Yes, it is Candyman. coming out. Yeah, this, uh, Candyman. I remember you mentioning that Ooh, at least. Uh, if I say it two one. more times, will Tony Todd show up in my background? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and we've got a, a, a badass, which I couldn't tell you what that was for a million dollars right now. Uh, the week after that, so there you go. And we're actually we're actually also going to be uh, starting a push. Uh, Amanda and I want to do some patron content for you guys. We want to start covering uh, horror franchises that are not on our list. So like all the Friday the Thirteenth movies, or you know Nightmare on Elm Street two four five six and seven <laughs> Sequ- sequentially through everything yeah right yeah uh but in order to do that we have to hit a certain uh patreon goal so if you want to help us out head, you can head over to the uh the patreon patreon.com slash penske file mm-hmm. and you'll see what that consists of over there yes you so uh we hit a certain reward we hit a certain award uh 
monthly amount and they'll start coming out with those things for and notice that we're not saying what the number is so it's like when you go to a website to buy something and it says price revealed in cart yes, that's- <laughs> that means that it's really expensive <laughs> and also that's the only way to get full voyager coverage if that's going to ever happen that's, that's true one of the goals yeah. for that so uh, but i'll tell you if we cross the barrier to get to Rotten Horror Picture Show Patreon content, we are knocking very much door. within striking distance of, of Voyager. Yep. Yes. Yep. Knocking on the door. Carefully staggered is the way I would describe that. I guess we're done. That's Terminal Provocations, which reminds That's me. That's a very weird st- title. Well, it reminds me. What's the other one? There was another one that sounded something similar to that. Uh, it was called temporal edict is the other the mm. other episode that they came out uh that's it guys thank you very much for listening patreon.com slash the pensacky file and we're done we will see you later